And that was good singing unto the Lord. Returning again to Haggai uh, chapter 1, and with God's word open before us, let us still our hearts and ask for the Lord to come and to speak to us, each one this morning, please. Let us pray. Our gracious, eternal, heavenly Father, we do indeed thank thee for all that has taken place already in thy house this morning. We thank thee for the privilege and the joy that it is to be able to render our worship and our praise unto thee. And Father, as we think, even about the words of that last hymn that we have sung, Father, may we, as the people of God, lay our all upon the altar for thee. Father, we pray that as we've entered into another year, may not be a year of half-hearted service, but, O God, may we be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And Father, we know that our work for thee is never in vain. Father, we pray you'll speak to our hearts now as we come to this portion of Scripture. Father, challenge us, we pray. O God, we ask this morning that we will not leave this meeting unchallenged by thy word. May we not leave without hearing thy voice speak to our hearts and to our souls. Father, prepare us. Now we plead, take away the distractions, take away the thoughts and concerns we've had even about the week that has gone into eternity take away those thoughts and concerns maybe legitimate about the week that lies before us and father for these moments we pray that you'll shut us in with thyself may there be a stillness upon this meeting we pray father speak through thy word we plead father we need thee to come we need to hear thy voice father we pray that you'll speak through thy word now we ask help me in the preaching the expounding of thy word. O Father, we come before thee. We know and we feel our own weakness. We pray for that anointing from on high. We pray, O God, for that touch, the Spirit of the Lord. We pray for that fresh and filling of God the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray that this morning I would be God's messenger in God's message. And may all that would be said and all that would be done point to our Saviour Jesus Christ and bring honour and glory to thy great and worthy name. Continue with us now. Bless us and do us good, we ask, for it's in Christ's precious and worthy name we pray. Amen. Haggai is a very short book, contains uh, just two short chapters, but within these two chapters there's a vast amount of teaching and a vast amount of instruction for the church of God. It reminds us throughout its verses that as God's people were to glorify the Lord were to stay committed to his plan and his purpose and his will for our lives and for his church. It reminds us that we're to please God by living lives which are holy, living lives which point to him and exalt his great name. It reminds us that we're to live a life in which we're to serve the Lord faithfully. The first chapter which we want to consider this morning, it is concerned with the rebuilding of the temple of God. Nebuchadnezzar had come to Jerusalem. He had destroyed uh, the walls. He destroyed the temple and indeed the city uh, as well. Most of the people were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 uh, long years. When the Persian king Cyrus defeated Babylon, he then uh, issued a decree and that allowed the exiled nations to return uh, to their homelands. Following this, the governor Zerubbabel, who we read off here, In Haggai chapter 1, And the high priest Joshua, they led the people in building an altar to worship God. 
And then they began to lay the foundation for the new temple that was to be built. However, this effort was stopped for the next 16 years by the Samaritan people. As a result, the walls of the city, they were not repaired. The temple of the Lord was not rebuilt. The work came to a standstill. Then Darius became king. The Lord directed Haggai to encourage the leaders in Jerusalem to rebuild the temple again. Darius the king, he approved the rebuilding. He supported it through the royal treasury. And so all in terms of government permission and support, all in terms of the funding and the resources was in place for the rebuilding of the temple of God. All the obstacles that once stood in the way of the people and in the way of the rebuilding of God's house, they had now been removed. The path was clear. The obstacles were gone. There was no hindrances, or so it appears. And it looks here as if God's people would never be in a better position. There would never be a better time to raise up again the temple of the Lord. However, as we read Haggai chapter 1, the temple did not begin to be rebuilt immediately. There was yet another obstacle that stood in the way of raising up the Lord's house. And unfortunately, as we read down through Haggai 1, this obstacle was the people themselves. And what a solemn thing it is to think, as we just consider that and context here that there's a possibility that the only obstacle to the building of God's house would be the people. Everything here was in place. All was ready to go. All obstacles and hindrances had been removed. Those things that once stood in their way, they'd been dealt with. And yet the people themselves were an obstacle and a hindrance to the building of the house of God. I wonder, dear believer, this morning could it be the case that by our own attitudes by our own actions, by our own lukewarmness and even the coldness of our hearts, could it be the case that we're an obstacle, that we're a hindrance to the building of the church of God? We often speak of the days in which we live. We speak about how hearts are so turned away from the things of God, how there's such an apathy among uh, so many today. There's a a darkness. Sin seems to be abounding, and and the ways of the devil seem to be advancing and, and taking ground. And we can blame these things and the apparent lack of the building of the church of God, the apparent lack of blessing upon God's kingdom as He builds it through his church. And yes, of course, we live in dark and difficult days. But I wonder this morning, could it be that I am a hindrance, or that you are a hindrance to the building of God's church? We want to look at these events recorded for us in Haggai chapter 1. They're recorded as a warning to the people of God, but also, I trust we will see an encouragement and a challenge to the hearts of God's people. We want to look at the subject of the building of the house of God. That's what we're involved in as God's people. No matter who we are, whether it's in the pulpit or in the pew, whether here in Crossgar or our own congregation in Demuria or wherever else it might be, we are tasked with the building of the house of God. We know that it's the Lord, of course, that builds the house. It's the Lord's work. But we have a responsibility as the people of God. We're tasked in this generation which the Lord has given us to advance the message of the gospel, and to see God's church built up. Notice, firstly, here the priorities of the people. The priorities of the people. Look at verses two and four, two to four 
of Haggai chapter 1. It says there, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? You see, the people here, they had the wrong priorities. And so often it can be the case that as God's people, we can have the wrong priorities. Perhaps it's not even intentional. Perhaps uh, we don't even realize. But it's very easy for us to take our focus and our hearts and our desires away from the things of God and away from the building of the church of God and to place our priorities elsewhere. Maybe we're busy and overwhelmed with work. Maybe we have a, a busy home life and a family to look after. Maybe we have a particular hobby or or interest. And before we know it, perhaps without even noticing, we have placed our priorities elsewhere. And we've taken our eyes and our hearts away from the things of God. This is the position that the people find themselves here in our text this morning. As we said already, they had a clear way to building the house of God. The obstacles had been uh, removed. Nothing was standing in their way. Throughout their recent history, there was obstacle after obstacle. There was no possibility so often of building the house of God. But now the path is clear. And yet their priorities are not placed in the building of the things of God. Maybe you're in this meeting this morning. Maybe you're not saved and your priorities are all wrong. You're focused on the things of the world. You're focused on what you can gain from this life. You're focused on the pleasures that this life offers and you haven't given any consideration to the eternal nature of your soul in this morning in terms of spiritual matters, in terms of the eternal nature of your soul. Your priorities are all wrong. And friends, you need to take your eyes of the things of the world. Consider where your soul will be in eternity. What is your priority this morning? Is it the pleasures of the world? What at what cost the losing? Your soul for eternity. As we think about the priorities of the people here, notice firstly that they had no vision. They had no vision. Look at verse number two. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Oh, when it came to the building of the temple, the people had no vision. Oh, yes, they knew that it was the Lord's will, they knew that it was the Lord's command to build the temple. They knew that the temple was to be rebuilt, and yet here they think that they know better, and they cry that the time has not come. It is not time for the Lord's house to be built. They had no vision. Think for a moment what the people are doing here. This is a very solemn thing. God commanded the temple to be rebuilt. God ordained the circumstances so it could be rebuilt. The obstacles were removed. Surely the people should have been joyful. Surely the people should have been rejoicing. They should have been thrilled in their hearts and their souls that the path was clear, that the temple could be rebuilt. But no, they respond by essentially telling the Lord here that it's not time for his house to be built. It doesn't suit now. They rejected the command and the will of God. God had made it possible, yet the people rejected the Lord's will. Oh yes, we want the Lord's house to be built, that's what they said, but it's not convenient. Some other time, when it's more convenient for us, another season, 
Another time we will build the house of the Lord. But as we find the people here in Haggai 1, they had no vision regarding the temple of God. We returned from the minister's week of prayer on Friday afternoon. We had a tremendous, as we always do, and blessed week in the presence of God. And during that week, there was prayers offered for revival. Prayers offered for God's people to be revived, for God's ministers to be revived. For the work of the Lord to advance, for God to challenge hearts and souls. But I wonder what would happen this morning if the Lord did move again in revival. What would happen if the Lord began to challenge the hearts of God's people? If he began to reveal to us our sin? Would we tell the Lord, well now is not the time, some other time. Some other time. Maybe that's your attitude this morning, dear unsaved soul, towards the message of the gospel, towards the invitation that God gives through his precious word. Maybe you say, I'll be saved, but not today. Some more convenient season I will come. When it suits me better, I'm busy in work at the minute. I'm busy with family. And now is not the time to be saved, and I'll come a more convenient season. The word of God reminds us that a spirit shall not always strive with man. There's coming a day when the Lord may stop calling. He may stop striving with, the, with, the, with you. We may stop inviting you through the message of the gospel. Well, the people here, they had no vision. But we also see here that the people had become, in many ways, too comfortable. Look at verse at number four. And the prophet says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? People have become comfortable. They've become so used to living in comfort and in relevant ease. That word sealed uh, there in our text in verse 4, it means panelled or overlaid. And there's the idea here that they had built their houses with expensive wood. They had decorated their homes with carvings and uh, no expense had been spared and all the details uh, had been put into place. And yet all the while they had neglected the house of God. And their focus, you see, the lesson here is that the focus of the people was on material things. It was on their own comfort. It was on the building up of their own earthly kingdom. Their hearts were not fixed on the work of God, but their priority was on their own comfort, their own standard of living. That's what took priority. And child of God, what a warning for our hearts this morning. You see, we can fall into the danger of becoming too comfortable, becoming too used to the material things of the world, becoming used to the relevant ease and comfort that we have uh, today and the liberty and the freedom we have in this land, becoming too focused on the luxuries, on the things we enjoy, which in and of themselves, of course, on many occasions, there is nothing wrong uh, with them. There's nothing wrong with having a comfortable home. There's nothing wrong with driving an expensive car or enjoying nice holidays or whatever else it may be. But when these things take the priority, then that's a different story. Something wrong when our comfort and the things of the world become our heart's desire. Something wrong when we become too focused on the material things of this world and we begin to think less and less of the things of God. Remember Matthew 6, verse 33, our Savior commands us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're to seek the kingdom first. 
We're to seek the things of God as a priority in our lives, over and above all else. The people here, they become too comfortable in the physical things of life, but there's also a danger we can become too spiritually comfortable. We can get into a position in our lives when really we don't want to be challenged by the word of God. And we're happy enough being saved and just continuing as we are. And when we look at our hearts and our souls, there's no desire, there's no hunger for the things of God. There's no desire for growth, spiritually speaking. And we become lukewarm Christians. We become content and happy the way we are. And we've no interest in spiritual matters. We come to the house of the Lord week by week and we're happy leaving, never having been touched by the word of God. Never having received a word from the Lord. Never having been challenged through God's precious truth. And we're happy just going through the motions and coming to church because that's what we've always done. And there's a danger. There's a warning for us that we can become too physically comfortable. We can become too spiritually comfortable and we'll neglect the things of God. His house will lie waste. That's the situation we have in verse 4. Personal comfort had taken priority over the house of God. And I trust and pray, dear believers, we would never get to the point where we're too comfortable, spiritually or physically. That point where we begin to neglect the things of God. No, our focus must be upon the things of God. And if God chooses to bless us with physical and material blessings when we praise, then we praise the Lord for that. But our focus should not be on those things. But on the things of God, the building of his church, our own walk with Christ, our spiritual growth. May it never be said, as it was of these people, that we have caused the house of God to lie waste. Had no vision. They become too comfortable. We see here also that they were fruitless. They were fruitless. Look at verse 9 onwards of Haggai 1. It says, Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you stayed from dew, and the earth has stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. As a result of this people's misplaced priorities, we read here that the Lord withheld his blessing from them. The Lord caused all their labor to be fruitless. It was in vain. The people looked for much blessing, but it didn't come. The Lord withheld the dew from the land. The Lord stopped the land from producing fruit. The Lord closed up the heavens and no rain fell, and there was drought across the land. And the labors of the people in providing for their families, they became wasted labors. It was all in vain because God withheld his blessing. And the reason why he withheld his blessing is so clearly given in verse number 9, it says there, Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. People had neglected the things of God. They turned their focus away from God, and they were so comfortable in their material gain that God withheld the blessing from them. They were chastised for their lack of zeal. They were chastised for their lack of vision and love for the things of God. 
1 Corinthians 15 and the 58, it's a wonderful promise to the people of God. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for so much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, here's a wonderful promise that those who are working from the Lord, that their labor will never be in vain. What a contrast we have with the people in our text. They're not laboring for the Lord. They were laboring for their own glory. They were laboring for their own comfort and for their own earthly kingdoms. And what do we read here? God withheld the blessing. And what a warning for the people of God today. What a warning for God's church. If we want the blessing of the Lord, which of course we do. If we want God's hand to be upon us as we labor for him to build his house, there must be that heart's desire placed in the things of God. Yes, we have responsibilities, of course, for our own homes and our families. And that's very clear. God has called us to be fathers and mothers and husbands and wives. And we have a great responsibility to provide for our homes, but we're not to neglect the house of God. We're not to neglect the building of the house of God. If we do, how can we expect the Lord to bless? Here's a people and their priorities are wrong. And the Lord has withheld his blessing, the priorities of the people. Secondly, notice here the proclamation of the Lord. You see, the Lord intervened by his grace and by his mercy here. The Lord saw what was taking place and um, mercifully he stepped in and he dealt with his people. And we see firstly here in this intervention of the Lord that there was to be a reevaluation. Look at verse number 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What a challenge that is to our hearts this morning. Consider your ways. Here's the Lord God of heaven and through his prophet Haggai, he commands the people to consider the ways. It means to set your heart upon your ways, to take it to heart. It's the sense here of thinking seriously about what they were doing. They were to look inwardly. They were to be challenged by how they were living their lives. They were being told by God here to essentially stop and to think about what they were doing. Stop and reevaluate your priorities for they are all misplaced. What grace, mercy of God we see here. God could have left them to their own devices. God could have continued to withhold his blessing from them, but he brings to their attention by his mercy, the error of their ways. He commands them to consider their ways. Why? So that they might have an opportunity by his grace and mercy to refocus on the things of God. Give them an opportunity to repent of their sin, to put matters right, to get their priorities sorted out. And oh, as the children of God, we would ask the Lord this morning to show us the errors of our ways. It's not what the psalmist Cried out in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, that the Lord would show us the error of our ways. Oh, that he would cause us to consider our ways, to reevaluate our priorities. How often we need that. I wonder, dear friend, today, if you were to consider your ways, what would you find? Would you be walking with God as you ought? Would you be serving him as you ought to be serving him? 
Even as we look over the past year that has gone into God's eternity, what have you done for the Lord? Have you grown stronger in your faith? Have you went on, spiritually speaking, has there been a growth? Has there been an increased zeal for the things of God, an increased love for Jesus Christ, or perhaps somewhere along the line your priorities have been misplaced? Surely it is time as God's people to consider our ways to reevaluate our priorities in life. Maybe you're unsaved this morning. The same message applies to you. Consider your ways. Consider the path you're walking, a path that is leading to destruction and eternal damnation. Consider your ways, dear friend. Reevaluate your priorities. Set your focus on the things of God. Flee from your sin. Flee from the wrath that is to come and trust in Christ as your Savior. There was to be a reevaluation. But we also see here that there was to be a rebuilding. Look at verse number 8. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. God commanded again his people to build his house. People were to get to work. They were to leave their comfort zone. They were to cast their minds away from all the material comforts that they had. And they were to focus on the building of the house of God. They were to get to work. This rebuilding was to involve a lot of toil and labor. Notice what they were told to do there. In verse number 8, they were told to go up to the mountain and bring wood. It was going to be difficult work. Think of the physicality of the work, having not only to climb the mountain, but once they were up the mountain, they were to fell the trees, they were to prepare uh, the wood, they were to bring it back down uh, the mountain again. This was going to be a great toil. It was going to be a great labor. And then once the wood had been collected, once it had been prepared, once it had been brought down uh, the mountainside, they were to get to work in the construction of the house of God. It was going to be toil, it was going to be labor, it was going to be difficult. So too it is for us as we seek to build God's house. It's a difficult work. A work that involves labor and toil and hardship and much effort. That's why it's so easy for us to get into the position of the people here in our text and have our priorities all wrong. We know that the work of God is hard. And so we stay in our comfort zone. And yet the Lord here, as he was telling these people, he's telling us to go up the mountain. To collect the wood, to build the house of God. People were told that the labor was not going to be in vain. Why? The end of verse 8, I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. God is pleased. God is glorified by the obedience of his people. And God will be glorified through the labor of his people and the building up of his house. And that should be the focus of every child of God. That ought to be the motivation. That God might be glorified in all that we do. No matter the toil, the difficulty, the hardship. I wonder, are we working as we ought to build the house of God? Are we doing all we can? Are we praying? Are we inviting? Are we witnessing? Are we laboring for the Lord? Are we all called to different parts of the Lord's work? We all have different gifts that the Lord has given. But are we using them for the Lord? Are we laboring for him? Are we toiling in this generation for the building of the house of God, the priorities of the people, the proclamation of the Lord? Finally, 
We see here the product of the work. What was the end result of the people getting to work in the building of God's house? Well, there's three things very briefly we see here in Haggai chapter 1. Firstly, the people were to know the Lord's presence. Look at verse number 13. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. It's the people united together in this one ambition. As they united together to labor in the difficult work of the building of the house of God, as they took their priorities away from material comforts and and the things that they had in this life, and as they focused on the building of the house of God, they received this wonderful promise that God was going to be with them. They weren't going to be on their own. They weren't laboring by themselves, but the Lord was to draw alongside And the Lord was to be in their midst and the Lord was to reveal himself to the people. And the Lord would be their strength and their help. And so too it is today. As we seek to work for the Lord, yes, the work is difficult. Yes, there's much opposition. And that opposition is growing. Yes, the devil is at our side and he's trying to discourage He's trying to put us off working for the Lord. And yet we have the promise that the Lord is with us as we go forth with him. Remember the Great Commission? And lo, I am with thee always, even on to the end of the earth. The people were to know the Lord's presence. Secondly, they were to know the Lord's power. The Lord's power. Look at verse number 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. The Lord stirred up the hearts of the people. The Lord gave the people the power to do what was needed to be done. The Lord gave them that burden and that desire to serve him and to accomplish his will and his plan and his purpose. And of course, that's what we need today is the people of God. We need God to stir our hearts. We need the power of God enabling us to work and to labor and to toil for him. We cannot stir that up within us ourselves. We need the Lord to come. We need the Spirit of God to descend upon his church and upon his people. And we need to make that a matter of urgent prayer that the Lord would come stir up his people. Give that desire and that burden to work for him, to labor for him. People knew the Lord's presence. They knew the Lord's power, but they also were to know the Lord's peace. Look at verse 14 again. It speaks at the end about how all the remnant of the people, how they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. There was a great unity here. There was a great peace amongst the people, the peace of God, that unity of spirit that the people experienced. These people, as they came together with that one ambition, with that one aim, with that one desire, with that one focus to build the house of, the God, of God, the Lord came and he united their hearts and there was a peace among them. I often today, among God's own people, there can be strife, there can be division, There can be heartache, difficulty amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And oh, we pray for the peace of God to be upon us, that unity. So 
We seek each one to play our part in the building up of God's house. You know, if we all set our heart's desire and focus and aim and will the building of God's house, if we all came together with that one purpose, then there would be a blessed unity from the Lord. That's what happened to people here. They came together. They came with that desire to build the house of God. What a warning and what a challenge Haggai 1 is to the church today. Are we laboring for the Lord? Are we working to build the house of God? Or maybe this morning we must confess we've become too comfortable. We're happy just going week by week, just lukewarm. With our hearts unstirred in the things of God. But oh, what a blessing there is when God's people come together. The presence of God, the power of God, the peace of God. And oh, God's name is glorified as God's people come together and seek to labor for him. May that be the case as we enter into another year in the work of the Lord, whether here in Crossgar or wherever else it might be, whatever it is that you can do for the Lord. Do it with all your heart. Always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Let us not be comfortable in where we are or where we have been in 2022, but may there be that stirring of our hearts. May there be that striving to go on with the Lord and to build his church for his glory and for his honor and for his sake. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts this morning that will be a challenge to all of us and an encouragement to go on with the Lord and to see his work built for his glory. We'll turn to our closing hymns, the hymn 526. 526 and the page 388. I have only one life on this earth, and as vapor it's passing away, I must labor for treasures of worth or toil ends at the close of the day. 526 and we'll stand as we worship the Lord.
eternal heavenly Father, we thank thee for the privilege it has been to be found in the house of the Lord this Lord's Day. We thank thee for thy word to our hearts. We pray, O God, that you'll challenge us. May we be a people that seek to labor for thee. May our hearts focus and desire and not be in the material gain from this world, but may it be in the building of the house of God. May our hearts be focused on the things of God and God alone, and we'll be careful to give thee all the honor and all the glory. Part us now with thy blessing and with thy presence. Bring us to your homes in safety. Be with us throughout this thy day. And gather us again into thy house later tonight, we ask. For it's in our Saviour's precious and worthy name we plead. Amen.